0: How do you get to heaven? Live a good life and when you pass away, hopefully you've done everything right and the gate's gonna be open. By living very, very well. Well, I guess there's many ways. I'm not totally sure how, but I mean, I have no idea. (laughs) I guess you just try to do your best and when you do something wrong, you try to make it right or admit to it or or at least, you know, try to make up for it. and yeah. um, Do a lot of praying, I think. Be a good citizen and a good Christian. <sighs> How do you get to heaven? Um, my Christian beliefs say believing in Jesus. You get to heaven by believing in Jesus and doing the best you can to be a good person. And that's, that's my belief. By having a lot of faith and be, I guess, being a good person. First of all, I lead a life to show that I am a Christian. Um, I have three daughters and a wonderful husband, and and my church family. We we talk with them and we share. Um. <laughs> 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 Want me to start with an easier question? No, I I can no. handle that. It's uh, by doing what's uh, right and just and. Um, I don't know, I think it's uh, something that's in your heart to, to know what you should be doing and uh, being, uh, I guess, strong enough to keep from doing those things that you shouldn't be doing. By Well, not only by believing, but, like, first you have to believe and then you have to accept Jesus Christ. You have to bring him into your life, get baptized, and, but you can't, that's not the only, I mean, that's not all that you can do. You You have to live your life according to God's Word and then I believe you'll get into heaven by doing that. I think you get to heaven by being a good person. Okay. By basically being a good person, you have to follow the Word, follow um, what He teaches and just basically treat everybody with the same respect that you would want to be treated with. Uh, By doing good and uh, having good moral values and believing in God. Um, by believing, by being a true Christian. I think living each day um, with just, you know, keeping everything in mind and making sure that you don't do anything that is going to be out of control um, and just, you know, living it the way that you feel it's fit and, you know, believing in what you believe in and everything like that. And I think that gets you where you need to be. Um, You have to accept Jesus into your heart. Well, certainly a lot of different thoughts about how to get to heaven. We want to look at what the Bible has to say about that question today as we continue in our series, Get the Joy, as we study through the book of Philippians. I encourage you to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. We're halfway through. The book, Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Again, hold up your Bibles if you have them here today. Everybody hold up your Bibles. Okay. I encourage you to bring uh, the Word of God with you as we study it together. We're going to start out in verse 1, Philippians 3, 1. It says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again And it is a safeguard for you. So he says, finally, you think he's almost over, like the the pastor says, finally, and he goes on for another 20 minutes. Well, this is more of a transitional phrase, like therefore. Remember, he was just talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus. Remember, we talked about them as models for joy, especially on the job last week. So he's saying, therefore, based on Timothy and Epaphroditus, And they're modeling, we should rejoice. We should rejoice in the Lord. Now, we've talked a lot about joy, haven't we? And there are different types of joy. There's earthly joy that we all experience, that exhilarating feeling that comes at different times in our life. But then there's supernatural joy. And only believers can experience supernatural joy. It's from God. If a person's not a believer, they can't experience it. So it's a gift that God gives us. A supernatural joy is a joy that comes from seeing life in the way that God sees life. Seeing life from God's viewpoint. Seeing even our problems from God's viewpoint. That they're just not a barrier, an obstacle, but they're an opportunity to grow. And we see in the verse that it says rejoice in the Lord. And rejoice is a verb. So how do you have joy? Well, you have to practice joy. You have to rejoice. It's something that you choose to do. Many times people feel uh, that joy is just a a feeling that kind of comes and goes. They can't control it. We're not talking about an emotion here. We're talking about a state of mind joy is something that you can choose joy is something you can ask god for by viewing it from god's viewpoint now it does take god's power to do this but again you can choose it you can ask for in the middle of a difficult situation say god help me to see it from your viewpoint help me to have joy help me to rejoice in the lord and it's always focused in the lord that's where our joy comes from And then he says, it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. Now, Paul was a pretty straightforward, direct kind of guy. Not the kind of guy that repeats things over and over and over again. But he says, hey, listen, it's no problem for me to say this again. And he continually says it throughout the book to rejoice. And I found that helpful because as I prepared... For these messages, every week I have to remind myself to find joy (laughs) in certain areas of my life. That's really the key to learning is repetition, going over something again and again and again. And if you want to thrive as a Christ follower, you need to continually expose yourself to the Word of God. You need to come here on a weekly basis if this is your home church, and you need to learn from the Word of God. You need to be part of a small group and, and flesh out the Word of God in conversation. You need to be spending time that first ten in the morning, uh, spending time with God in prayer and in reading the Word of God and studying the Word of God and memorizing the Word of God. The more you can be exposed to this book, the more your life is going to change as God would want it to. So he's saying it again, rejoice, and it is a safeguard for you. This is going to help you if you remember to rejoice because there are so many things that want to steal our joy away from us. A lot of joy stealers out there, and we're going to look at one in a second. Now when we talk about are you going to heaven or not, or how to establish a relationship with God the key issue is what do you have confidence in there's two things you can have confidence in. we're gonna look at the first one confidence in myself that's where most people are at they put confidence in themselves in order to have a relationship with God let's look at Philippians chapter 3 verse 2 it says watch out for those dogs those men who do evil those mutilators of the flesh. Now, we've been studying along here in Philippians, and everything has pretty much made sense. And all of a sudden, you come across a verse like this. You say, Paul, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, this makes no sense whatsoever. Well, this many times happens in Bible study. And what you need to do is you need to understand the context and the background of that time of death period as well as what paul had said in other parts of the bible and i want to give you two websites here that you can put down and in your own bible study i encourage you to maybe take an hour a week and study the bible on your own not just read the bible but actually look at a particular passage in fact one of one of the good things you can do is study philippians along with us just don't take my word for it go home and spend an hour uh getting a book on philippians or looking at resources like this or any way you can study at maybe a particular verse that you found interesting but bible.org is one and bible study tools it might be .com or .org Uh, bible study tools .com or .org and these have some old commentaries that are out of print uh that again explains uh the bible and what you can do is you can put in a passage or put in a particular verse and it will bring up different commentaries uh, different articles about that particular verse that can be helpful in understanding so we want to encourage you to study your bible on your own as you go throughout the week because again this particular verse you're just not going to understand unless you do some studying so let's take a look at it watch out for those dogs those men who do evil those mutilators of the flesh now here's the situation paul was going around starting churches like he did at philippi But there were false teachers. False teachers. There were different groups of false teachers in that day. So Paul would start a church. And when he left, the false teachers would just follow behind him. They would infiltrate the church. And then they would start to teach their own teaching. A false gospel. In this situation, we have the false teachers who are called Judaizers. In a way, they were teaching christ plus judaism that's why we call them judaizers and what they did is they came and they said yeah it's great you want to trust jesus christ for your salvation but you know what you also need to continue or start to practice the jewish faith because again paul was starting these churches in gentile areas and so these people were coming in and saying, listen, if you really want to have a relationship with God, you need to trust Jesus. But you also to do, need to do everything the Israelites have done for all these years by following the law that's found in the Old Testament in the first five books of the Bible called the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So if you really want to make sure that you're going to heaven and you have a relationship with God, you need to trust Jesus, but you also need to follow the law and one of the key issues that we see in the new testament was they were asking these gentiles to be circumcised now back in that day it wasn't common to be circumcised as a male Uh, gentiles were uncircumcised and where the jews were circumcised because when abraham made or when god made the covenant with abraham he said you need to be circumcised the people of god the people of israel need to be circumcised that's a symbol of showing that you belong to me so these jewish people who were now welcoming the gentiles into the family of god which was a totally new thing they said well these gentiles they need to be circumcised as well so they were going into these churches and saying, if you really want to be a committed person to god you need to be circumcised well Uh, That was quite different from what Paul had taught them. And so this is the false gospel that they were teaching. You see, a false gospel is anything that you add to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only way to God. And what false teachers do is you have to have Jesus plus, they say, Jesus plus circumcision, Jesus plus following the Old Testament law. And the most common thing that we hear today, as you heard in the video, it's Jesus plus good works. Jesus plus good works. The majority of people will say, how do you get to heaven? They'll say, you've got to do good works. You've got to be a good person. You have to be righteous on your own. And that's not what the Bible has to say. But that's a false teaching that Satan is propagating in our world today, so people will be misled and not find the true salvation in Jesus Christ. So, what does he say about these men? He says they're dogs. Dogs. Well, again, if you look in the original language, it's really cats, okay? Cats? is, how could a dog be anything but good? <laughs> well, back in that day, dogs were not your domesticated animal. They were nuisances. Nobody wanted dogs around. They were mean. They were dangerous. They were scavengers. They were disease ridden. Get those dogs away from me. And that's what Paul is saying. Get those false teachers away from you. Those men who do evil. He's really hard on these guys. Those mutilators of the flesh. Now, what are you talking about, Paul? Well, if you look in the original language, the word for mutilators and the word for circumcision sound very similar. So it's a play on words here. Instead of using the word circumcision, he's talking about mutilation because these people are mutilating the good news of the gospel because they're adding something to it. Paul really gets fired up in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8 about false teachers. He said, but even if we, even if I, Paul, or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Paul is so passionate about this, and we as well should be so passionate about the gospel that we teach here at Springbrook. Because we want people to know the right way to heaven. I mean, what's the worst thing you could ever do in this world? The worst thing you could ever do in this world is to misinform a person about how to establish a relationship with God. Because if you misinform them, they'll think they have a relationship with God. They'll die and spend an eternity separated from Jesus Christ because you didn't give them the right information. That's why Paul is so fired up about false teachers, and he calls them evil, and he calls them dogs. Now friends, if you're ever looking... For a church or you're looking for a friend who's looking for a church maybe in another part of the country this is the true test you call that church and you talk to one of the pastors and you ask them this question how does one come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ how does one earn or excuse me how does one acquire salvation How does one know that they're going to heaven? Something of that nature. You ask the pastor that question. And if good works is anywhere a part of their answer, eh, wrong, false teaching going on there, don't go to that church. That's what Paul says here. Call the pastor. Don't depend upon oh, it's that denomination or all that kind of thing. Call the pastor or an associate pastor, whoever it is. And find out what they teach about salvation and stay far, far away. Because if they're teaching you have to be a good person to go to heaven, they are misleading people. And they're really sending people to hell. And that's a very serious thing, wouldn't you say? I'd say so. Well, let's look at Philippians three three. For it is we who are the circumcision. Now there again, what does that mean? We are the circumcision. Well, let's look at Colossians chapter two, verse eleven in Him you were also circumcised. So it's talking about a spiritual circumcision, not a physical circumcision. In Him, Jesus Christ, you and I were also spiritually circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. In the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by hands, That's a physical of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, a spiritual circumcision. So, the idea here is that when you become a Christ follower, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, what happens is a spiritual circumcision, before you're a Christ follower, you are controlled by sin. Sin is your master. You cannot do anything but have a pattern of sin in your life. But when Jesus Christ comes in, He cuts off that power. He circumcises you from the power of sin so you no longer have to be enslaved by sin. Now, you still can follow your sinful desires. But you now have the capacity, you now have the ability to choose to follow Jesus Christ, to do the right thing, to be righteous through Christ's power where you didn't before. That's the circumcision He's talking about. Jesus Christ cutting off that power that's been in your life enabling you to have a new power to follow him so let's go back to philippians 3 3 we are the circumcision now what describes people who have been circumcised spiritually we who worship by the spirit of god if you're a christ follower today there is a natural desire to want to come and worship the lord rather than the believers there's a natural desire to want to come and give adoration to God. There's a natural desire to want to come and, and learn from His Word in order that you might live a life of worship. Now, it's not always there. You might just come to church because this is what you've done. I mean, sometimes you just don't feel like going to church. But I tell you, typically, if you know Jesus Christ, somewhere during the service, the Holy Spirit Speaks to you maybe through a song through a video or or through a message and he, he says something to you He Encourages you he convicts you of something a- and your heart is moved to worship to, to have a desire For the Lord that's what characterizes People of spiritual circumcision another thing that characterizes people is who glory in Christ Jesus who glory in christ jesus what do you like to brag about Well, i think probably the most common thing that people like to brag about is their kids or their grandkids right they love to talk about their family and all the things that their kids are doing or grandkids are doing and all their accomplishments and they take such joy in that well friends that's the same type of feeling you should have about jesus christ you should take joy in jesus christ your heart should just be filled that when you sit down, especially with another Christ follower, that you just want to talk about Jesus. You want to talk about what Jesus is teaching you. You want to talk about how Jesus is encouraging you. You want to talk about how Jesus is answering prayer. You want to talk about how other people you're, you're seeking to bring to Jesus. You want to talk about Jesus because He's the best thing. He's the only thing that's worth really talking about. That's what it means, the glory of Jesus Christ, boasting in Jesus Christ. That's the character of people with a spiritual circumcision. And it goes, and who put no confidence in the flesh? And here is the critical thing. Where are you putting your confidence for your salvation? Is it in yourself or is it in Jesus Christ? Is it in your flesh? And what it means by the flesh, it means anything that's apart from God. Anything that has nothing to do with God. So people put confidence in their appearance. They think that their appearance will influence other people. They put confidence in their education. They put confidence in their experience. They put confidence uh, in their abilities, their skills, their gifts. And and they say, hey, I can handle life on my own. I can figure this out. This is no problem for me, that's confidence in the flesh. But Paul says, no, I'm not going to put confidence in the flesh because that is not the way to live, and especially that's not the way to come into relationship with God. No confidence in the flesh. Well, we move on to verse 4. and He says, I have no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now, what is he doing here? Well, again, he's trying to counter the false teaching that the people at Philippi have heard. They've heard, hey, you've got to have confidence in the flesh. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to follow the Old Testament law. So, Paul plays a little game here, all kind of tongue in cheek. He says, okay, these people are telling you you have to have confidence. In the flesh? Well, I'll tell you what it means to have confidence in the flesh. You get anybody, whoever, and you stand next to me, and I can, I can beat them in this flesh contest. All right? Let me tell you a little bit about myself. Let me tell you my pedigree. All right? Circumcised on the eighth day. Every good Jew was circumcised on the eighth day. Every Jewish male. They were not late for that appointment he was circumcised on the eighth day and he put or jewish people put confidence in that well friends some people do that even today many of you maybe experience an infant baptism or yeah an infant baptism and you think that's the reason you're going to heaven Well, friends i hate to break it to you but that's not the case it was nice your parents had spiritual interests in your life, but that's about it. The infant baptism didn't do anything for you. What you need to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to make a conscious decision to trust totally in Him and not in infant baptism. He goes on, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. Hey, I'm a part of God's chosen people. That should put me in a good, uh, a good stead with God. And and the tribe of Benjamin, on top of that, which was the top tribe, that's a tribe you wanted to be a part of. The tribe of Benjamin Saul came from, King Saul. In fact, Paul's name before he became Paul was Saul. So, hey, he had a great name, and he came from a great tribe. The tribe of Benjamin always marched first in military parades. Now, you've got to remember that this particular list, if we read it in that day as Jewish people, we'd go like, wow, unbelievable. So it's important to uh, explain each of these different aspects of what Paul's saying. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. There's a lot of people who think they're Christians just because they're Americans, right? Yeah, I'm American, so I must be a Christian. Well, they're ill-informed as well. That's a false teaching that Satan would love to have them uh, believe. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. Now, what does that mean, Hebrew of Hebrews? Well, in that day, the Jewish people were moving all over the world. And many times when they moved outside of Israel, they did not continue the Hebrew language. Uh, They did not continue to practice it or teach it to their children. Sometimes they married people who were not Jewish. But Paul's saying, listen, my mom and dad were both hebrews they're both jewish on top of that we spoke hebrew in our home i come from a very strong religious background and a religious home there's a lot of people today who come from a very religious background and a religious home and and they're banking on that to get them to heaven but that's not going to do it right in regard to the law of pharisee this this was impressive this was a spiritual leadership back in that day and there was like 300 pharisees only 300 pharisees and they gave an inordinate amount of time to following the law they were known as people who were incredibly righteous really self-righteous came from themselves not god but everybody looked up to him and said oh i only could be like a pharisee so he was a leader as for zeal persecuting the church he was serious about what he believed, and he believed that the people of the way, as they called him in that day, were wrong. They were dead wrong, and they should die because of it, because they were going to be telling other people about what was not proper, was false teaching in his mind. So you see there's a, there's a comparison here. When he's a Christ follower, and he looks at people who's doing false teaching, those people, they're, they're terrible. Well, when he was a follower of judaism he was looking at the christians who he thought was wrong at that point and he said hey those people need to die so he went off and he captured them and took them back and imprisoned them and they were murdered they were eaten by lions all those different types of things he was the number one guy going after christians and killing them this is this is paul all right and he said hey listen that that, that's that was something that that people really looked up to him for in that day And as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Now, we can't appreciate that. But if you said, it's like if somebody came up to you and said, I'm perfect. How would you think about that? Whoa. (laughs) You think they're lying, right? But but Paul, this is sacred scripture here. uh, He's telling the truth. He was blameless in following the law. Now, he had sin in his life. He lusted, but he didn't. Commit adultery back in that day. And it didn't say do not lust in the Bible uh, or in the Holy Scripture or the uh, law, that is. Uh, So the point being here is that he was blameless. If you look at all the Old Testament law, he followed everything. On top of that, you had man made laws by the Pharisees 613 laws that they added just to show how special they were. That wasn't from the Word of God uh, or the law, the Torah. It was from their own man made uh, group. And some of the laws, for example, on the Sabbath, when you weren't supposed to work, is that you weren't supposed to swat a flea because that was work. If a flea was bothering you, let it bother you. Or you couldn't eat an egg laid by a chicken on the Sabbath because the chicken worked and you couldn't benefit from that work. How silly, right? But Paul said, hey, listen, I have followed all of these laws. You see, Paul was a star back in that day. Paul was an up-and-comer in his young career. It was like a popular politician that everybody loved. Everybody thought, this guy is going to lead us someday. If he would have continued on in Judaism, he would have been the leader of the Pharisees. He would have been known by everyone. That's where Paul was going. And he says, I am incredibly self-righteous. If these false teachers are telling you that you have to do all this stuff, well, I tell you, I've done it all. And later on, we'll say, he'll say, it's worthless. It's worthless. And there are some of you out there today I know who are trusting in your good works. You are self-righteous. You're saying, I'm good enough for God on my own. I can make it to heaven on my own. Maybe you're adding something to Jesus, saying, yeah, I, I'm trusting in Jesus, but I'm also trusting in my good works. you got to accept Jesus, but you also have to to do good works. Now, it's true, after you become a Christ follower, you're going to naturally want to please God. You're going to naturally want to work for God. Uh, but that's not going to save you. That's just a natural manifestation of your love for Him. Good works don't save you. But some of you, that's where you're at today. If I asked you, if you die tonight, you think you'd go to heaven? And why? You'd say, well, I think i go to heaven because... I've done this. I've done that. I've had so many conversations with people. and I've heard that so many times. They said, yeah, well, I've accepted Christ a lot of different times, but I have to be a good person, and I have to spend like 20 minutes reasoning with them, showing scriptures, that kind of thing, saying, no, your good works don't count. All right? Your good works don't count. Don't put confidence in the flesh. Your good works don't like get you to heaven. So what should we put confidence in? Well... We should put confidence in Jesus Christ. Let's see what Paul says. He's listed all these things that he's done. But whatever was to my profit, all these things, all the things that I accomplished, I was faultless in obeying the law. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a tribe of Benjamin. I was part of Israel. All those things. Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I now consider it lost. All that work, all that energy, all those years, it was a loss for the sake of Christ. What happened to Paul? Well, his real name was Saul, and he was going to go out and persecute some Christians, and Jesus Christ confronted him on the Damascus Road. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And through a series of events, Paul became a Christ follower. And he gave up everything. I tell you, he had popularity. He had pleasures. He had prestige. uh, He had possessions. He had everything the world wanted in his old life. But he gave up everything in order that he might gain Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying in this passage. Everything that people in that day thought were important, I've given up for Jesus Christ. And I'm so glad that I did it. Paul learned what was stated in Romans 3, 10, when he wrote to the Romans, there is no one righteous, not even one. Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, whoever you want to name, none are righteous on their own. None are righteous. We look in Isaiah 64, 6, it says, all of us become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Filthy rags. When you look at the original language, it speaks of menstrual rags. Bloody rags. Anything that you do in your own power to impress God is like bloody rags rags. It doesn't impress God whatsoever. It doesn't count for anything. It gets you nowhere. Anything you did before you became a Christ follower counts for nothing. No one is righteous. Not even one. That is where the gospel starts. That we don't have anything that we can offer God. We are under His penalty, which is eternal separation from Jesus Christ. We got a real problem, right? No doubt about that. Look in Philippians 3 7. But what was ever to my profit, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. When you look at uh, a corrupt business, they usually have two sets of books, right? They have a public set of books, which shows that everything's fine, that they show the auditors and show the public. And then they have a private set of books. And this private set of books tells a real story about debt, about mismanagement of funds, about embezzlement. And they keep that hidden. Well, friends, there's two set of books about our lives. There's a set of books that we keep about our lives. And sometimes, if we're not a Christ follower, we'll look at our righteousness account, our good works account. And we'll say, you know what? I'm doing pretty well. You know, I I go to church. I... <clears throat> give the charity i'm a good husband good wife good mother good father I, i've done these things i've helped these people and yeah there are sins but we kind of dismiss those But so, yeah I, i'm doing okay I, I think there's a pretty good chance that i'm going to make it to heaven and then there's god's set of books and when it comes to your righteousness bank account and my righteousness bank account before you become a believer We are spiritually bankrupt. There's not one penny in our account. No matter what we've done, we're spiritually bankrupt. And that's a real problem. Because if we want to spend eternity with God, (coughs) we need a full account when it comes to our righteousness. Philippians 3, 8. What is more... I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now, this is very important. (coughs) For those of you who are believers, this is what I want you to take away from this message, all right? I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ My Lord. I'm knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Excuse me. We as Christ followers, the number one objective in life is to know Jesus and to gain Jesus. And the problem is that so many times... (coughs) There are things that come into our lives that distract us. Our career, our family, uh, desire for pleasure, (coughs) those become number one. But we need to make Jesus number one. Paul says everything else in life, all those things that bring us joy, I consider rubbish, trash, it's translated. Some other people translate it manure. That's trash. Have you ever lost something? And you've had to think, okay, where did I lose that? And you search through the house. And you you search for like an hour and you realize the only other place it could be, maybe, is that it accidentally fell into the trash or somebody accidentally threw it away. So what you do is you go to where the trash is held. And you... uh, Rip open the bag, and you spread it out. Or you transfer the trash from one part back to another, right? Anybody ever been through this before? Okay, I've done it. (laughs) It's so valuable, right? You're willing to dig in the trash, and trash is ugly. Trash is like gross. You know, you go, oh, not there. (laughs) I hate to do this, but I have to, right? All right, well, I tell you what. All those things that you think are so important in this life, the things <coughs> that you are putting in as top priority in your life, when it compares to Jesus Christ, it's trash. A thousand years from today, it's not going to matter what your career was, how much money you made, what kind of car <coughs> <how> you drove. <coughs> None of those things, excuse me, I'm going to have to drink more this time. None of those things are going to matter a thousand years from now. The only thing that's going to matter is your relationship with Jesus Christ and how you pursued it here on earth. And how you gave up everything in order to pursue Jesus Christ. Because you see, Paul did give up everything. When he became a Christ follower, all those things that he listed, he was like the star. He gave it up. Unbelievable, huh? He gave up everything the world said was good, and he gave it up on behalf of Christ. Uh, Maybe you recognize this particular individual. This is uh, Albert Pujols. And he is a fantastic baseball uh, player. Played for 10 years. Uh, he's been an All-Star eight of those years. He's won the National League Most Valuable Player three of those years. Uh, he's one of the most respected players in baseball. The only problem is he's a St. Louis Cardinal, not a Chicago Cub. Uh, <laughs> but I'll forgive him for that because he's a Christ follower. And he has a family foundation, $9 million that gives money to people who are poor in the Dominican Republic, as well as to Down syndrome kids. And this is what he has to say. Look at this with me. He's speaking to uh, Christian men and young boys. As a Christian, I'm called to live a holy life. My standard for living is set by God, not by the world. I'm responsible for growing and sharing the gospel. One way for me to stay satisfied in Jesus is for me to stay humble. Humility is getting on your knees and staying in God's will, what He wants from me, not what the world wants. He added, it would be easy to go out and do whatever I want, but those things only satisfy the flesh for a moment. Jesus Jesus satisfies my soul forever. And we all struggle with this. We continue to chase things that we think are going to satisfy Our soul. When really it's only Jesus that's going to satisfy our soul. We just have to continue to remember that. And continue to seek after Jesus in order that we might be satisfied. And I'm I'm sure based upon Albert's testimony here. That if he had to choose between Jesus Christ and baseball, there's no doubt that he would choose Jesus Christ. He would give up all his money for Jesus Christ, I would think, based upon the life that he's lived. And that's what Paul did he gave up everything it's like he gave up a huge baseball career with all the money and all the perks and he decided to go be a missionary in some remote outpost in the world because of his love for Jesus what Jesus Christ had done for him now Philippians 3 9 Again, this is this is a deep message uh, you really have to think and ask the Holy Spirit to help here this is a really key doctrine Uh, For those of us who are Christ followers, it says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. So he says, I have no confidence in the law. If I want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's not why. I'm a Christ follower. It's because of what Christ has done for me. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Friends, if you are trusting in your good works, you're in a very dangerous place. And I want to challenge you today to realize that Jesus Christ has died for you. And He died for you in order to... Pay the penalty for your sin and what it's saying here is that christ wants you to wants to give you his righteousness that he earned on the cross that it could be applied to you it's the uh, doctrine of imputation there's a five dollar word (laughs) okay imputation the idea that righteousness is credited to you you don't deserve it but god gives you the righteousness to fill up your righteousness bank account so you can have a relationship with jesus christ Right now, God is looking down on Dan Harrison, and he sees me as perfect, as totally righteous in his eyes, and that's why I can have a relationship with him. And you might laugh at that, but it's true. That's the only reason I can have a relationship with God. I'm still extremely sinful, but he's forgiven all those sins. And now I have a relationship with him, and I know I can enjoy him daily and have this new capacity to to serve him and spend eternity with him because of what Jesus did for me. And my question for you today is, are, ha, at, at whatever point in your life, have you gone to Jesus empty-handed? Or do you always have good works in your hands? Jesus, I'm going to trust in you, but this is my backup plan. You have to come to Jesus without anything in your hand. And you need to say a prayer like this in order to come into a relationship with God. What the prayer says is, Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask forgiveness for my sins and open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. I no longer trust in my good works to gain a relationship with you. I know now it is a free gift. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. That's the prayer. And I would encourage you to pray that prayer as you feel led to pray that prayer. Say it right now during the service. Uh, Talk to somebody about it. But make that decision. But it's, it's not your good works. Ephesians 28 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. Paul says it over and over here. It's not what I've done. It's what Jesus Christ has done for me. Accept Christ's righteousness for your life and let God come into your life. Well, we move on to the last portion. It says Philippians, uh, in Philippians 3:10." I want to know Christ, right there. In fact, these two verses, I would encourage you as Christians uh, to uh, write down, cut it out of the message notes, paste it somewhere, meditate on these verses this week, okay? I want to know Christ. That should be our main desire. Every, Every day when we wake up, we should say, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. I want to know Christ's power in my life. When I'm facing difficult situations, I want to experience... Uh, his power that I know It's not coming for me that i'm working through this situation or that I have this wisdom Or that i'm able to emotionally cope with this pain. It's not for me. It's from god I want to discover his power I want to experience his power on a regular basis and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings Now, maybe you're suffering today. Maybe you're going through a real difficult time in your life. Maybe it's gone on for a week or a month or a year And you're suffering and you're so tired of suffering. Well, friends, you can we, we all can have two responses to suffering. We become we can become bitter and angry about it, or we can choose to suffer along with Christ. Because you see, when you when you choose to suffer with Christ, He grows closer to you. Let's face it, when things are going well in life, we don't draw near to, to Jesus. It's like when you're Mom used to say, don't eat eat any candy before dinner. You're going to ruin your appetite. But you wanted the candy, right? I tell you what, what this world offers us is candy. If your life is going well, you're feasting on the world's candy. And you're not thinking much about God. But I tell you what, when the candy's gone. And there's nothing left. You have an appetite for God. When you're suffering, you have an appetite for God. The world's joys and successes uh, are like candy, they kill your appetite for God. But when you're suffering, that's when your appetite is at its strongest. So take advantage of that. Spend more time in prayer, reading the Word. Get to know Jesus Christ. Spend time with Him. Trust in Him. Give your, your pain to Him. And ha- ask Him to help you to cope and work through it. So there's a fellowship, a sweet fellowship that you can have in, in your suffering. Becoming like him in his death, which is selfless, we talked about that. And so, somehow, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. What is he saying there? Like he's got to earn the resurrection from the dead? Salvation, living with God? No. He knows that he's perfect in God's eyes. And someday he will be perfect when he's in heaven. But he wants to work towards that during this life. Every day he wants to become more holy. Every day he wants to become more like Jesus Christ. Every day he wants to shine Christ in his life. Every day he wants to do the right thing. Not for his own glory, but through the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So, if you are trusting in your good works, I challenge you to say that prayer. Commit your life to Christ and trust only in His righteousness. And if you're a Christ follower today... I encourage you to take Philippians 3:10 and 11 and make it yours this week. Meditate upon it. And every day when you wake up, read that verse and say, Today, I want to know Christ more. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truths that you've shown us this morning. And I pray that our desire would be to want to know you. Lord, we're, we're so distracted in this world by so many things going on. But I pray that your spirit will continue to remind us as we walk throughout this week to know you in every possible way and that that would be a theme in our life. That would be our goal in life is to know Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Well, if we've got our, our ushers come forward at this time, I want to thank you for your generosity uh, to the work here at Springbrook, your generosity to God. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You that You've given us the gospel, the true gospel in Your Word. Thank You, Lord, for these people who generously give in order that we might get this gospel out. We might teach it to our kids. We might teach it to our teenagers. We might teach it to all of our adults and that we might invite other people and encourage them in their relationship with God or encourage them to find a relationship with God. Lord, help us to continue to give with the joy of knowing that the true gospel is getting out to us in Christ's name.